thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you that we've reached the end. Thank you that um, we are going to hear one more time from you. And that, uh, thank you, Lord. Thank you for fellowship. Thank you for all of the ways that you make the fellowship so sweet around your word. Thank you that we can help one another, that we can share with one another, that we really can be um, part together, the body of Christ. And uh, we really can uh, be what you would have us be as we um, love one another. That's what you say, Lord Jesus. All men will know you are my disciples when you love one another. Thank you that you make it so easy for us to love one another as we gather around your word. So I praise you, Lord, for what you will do in this final session. And I ask you to use it all for your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. I thought uh, we might look just at a couple of Old Testament references. Um, so Zechariah chapter 4, Zechariah 4, um, verses 6 and 7. This is still to do, of course, with moving mountains. So Zechariah chapter 4, you'll know these scriptures. Um, Zechariah 4, 6 and 7. Uh, then he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, saying, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. What are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel you will become a plain, and you will bring forth the top stone with shouts of grace, grace to it. So this is not in context. This is to completely ripping two verses out of context. But for the sake of uh, moving mountain faith, um, Zechariah is saying here that it is not by might, not by power, but by the Spirit of God. That is the way anything gets done in our lives, through our lives. It is all by God's Spirit. Job, um, Job chapter 9, verse 5 um, same thing. It is God who removes mountains. They know not how when he overturns them in his, anchor, in his anger. It is God who removes mountains. It is your trust in him that he will use to move the mountains in your life. Um, so the challenge of uprooting the fig tree and, or cursing the fig tree and moving the mountain represents where we should be. That is where we possess total confidence in the power of God. That's where God wants to bring us to. That we really do, honestly, in the heart of who we are, totally trust that God will do what he says he will do. And um, that's what Jeremiah meant. Jeremiah 9, uh, verse 23. Um, Jeremiah 9, I'll just get there and then. It was um, Job 9. This is Jeremiah 9, verse 23. Uh, Thus says the Lord, let not a wise man boast of his wisdom, nor let the mighty man boast of his might. Let not a rich man boast of his riches, but let him who boasts boast of this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who exercises loving kindness, justice and righteousness on the earth, for I delight in these things. Don't boast. That word boast means put your confidence in. Don't put your confidence in um, your wisdom or in your might power or in your riches but put your confidence in this that you understand and know God and that he exercises loving kindness justice righteousness 
on earth. And he, it says he delights in those things. Psalm chapter 20, verse 7. Um, Psalm 20, verse 7. Some boast in chariots. Again, uh, that's uh, put their confidence in. Some boast in chariots and some in horses, but we will boast in the name of the Lord our God. Can you see over and over and over, all through Scripture, it's the same thing. Put your trust in who I am. Put your confidence in who I am. Believe, receive for yourself the truth. And um, we've been talking about this confidence, this sort of confidence, and it only comes through a knowledge of God's will. You can't have this sort of confidence. You can't just read these scriptures and post them on your wall, not knowing what they mean, and just recite them. You have to know what they mean and, and what God means when he tells you those things. And then you have to know who that God is that's telling you those things. So it's not as easy as just saying the words. They have to come from a heart, a soul that really understands, this is my God. And it is this God who said these things to me. That takes us right back to those Colossian v Colossians verses. You remember when Paul said that he prays for them, that they would be filled with the knowledge of, of God's will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, that they might walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, pleasing him in every respect, bearing fruit in every good work. That comes because you know God's will and you know God's will through his word. Hebrews chapter 5, um, I'm saying that all these scriptures, uh, well, because I love the word, but also because um, it, they all say the same thing. Chapter 5, verse 14, but solid food, well, let's go back a little bit, milk, oh no, yeah, for everyone, verse 13, for everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is a baby. But solid food is for the mature who, because of practice, have trained their senses to discern good and evil. So this is what we're doing today. This is solid food. This is not milk. We're trying to understand who God is through his word. And we're only doing that because you and I, you believe that God will show himself to you through his word. So you've already received some of this truth. And you're building on that truth. And that's what he's saying, that solid food is for the mature who, because of practice, have their senses trained to discern good and evil. So you only get this sort of maturity, you only get it through the word of God. It, there's no other way. There's no other way. And that's why the church is in the state it is, because we have concentrated on the supernatural acts of God they might, be, they might be true, they might not be. But we've focused all our attention on them. We've asked for those signs and wonders. We've wanted those things because they stimulate our emotions and they stimulate our senses. But they don't feed your soul. They don't feed your soul. Only the bread of life feeds your soul. Only the word feeds your soul. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He said, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. So you can know the bread of God is the word of God. He fed them from manna, with, from, manna from heaven, and he, Jesus will use that as an example of the word of God. We have an anorexic church, starving, 
because they're not feeding themselves on the word of God. And it's voluntary anorexia, these people. And, and no one's telling them, you're going to starve to death if you don't get into the word. And they're rushing from one teacher to the other teacher and to this place and to that place and one man in some ministry somewhere else who does the supernatural and does all these wonderful things. And they might be good. They might even be real. God may be doing them. But that's not how he feeds his children. That's not how he feeds his children. So I don't have to say this is good or this is not or this is right or this is not. I just have to say you will not be fed without the word of God. You just cannot live without the word of God. And, and really, honestly, we have a short time to tell the church. We have a short, short time to go out and share that with other people. I'm saying that because, of course, I'm hoping we're going to move to a bigger place and we'll need people to put it in, uh, put in it. But I am on honestly saying that because that is the truth. I said in the last session, we, it's time to stand up and, and exalt the name of Jesus and to proclaim his word. We need to do that. But in order to do that, we have to know it and believe it. We have to believe it for ourselves. Um, Jesus had the knowledge of God, of course, and he had a mature relationship with God and uh, to a perfect degree. The Bible, actually, Luke quite interestingly tells us that he um, grew in that. Look, Luke 2, verse 40. The child, that is Jesus, continued to grow and become strong, increasing in wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. So there's a growth in Jesus of wisdom and knowledge of God. I mean, that's amazing. He's God, but he's, there's still this growth in him. So... Um, and he got to a, a, a perfect place with it. Verse 52, and Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. And I think to a certain extent, we cannot ever expect to be where he was. We'll never get to the level that he was, his maturity, his wisdom. He's God in the flesh. But, but we can grow the mustard seed that he's planted in us. We can cultivate that. We can water it. And the closer we get to him and the more we, we look at his word and the more we pray and the more we decide I'm believing that and I'm being rid of this, I'm leaving that to you, the better, the more we will be able to first see the mountain and then see the mountain move. I said earlier, I think, that many people think you've got to work up faith, you know, mountain-moving faith, you've got to work it up somehow, you know, we've all got together and start, you know, and then we'll move it and then we'll see. But actually, most of the time, well, I think all of the time, mountain-moving faith is letting go. You don't have to work something up. You have to let <coughs> go of those things that are interfering with you and God, that are getting in the way of you receiving him, him and his power and his truth. Um, I mean, there's so many times in our lives. We were just talking about this, Julie and I, earlier. There's so many times in our lives and with our families and friends, we cannot do anything about a problem. Yeah. We just can't do it. We sometimes don't even know what to do. Mm. We don't know how to pray. And even when we know how to pray, we don't know what to do. We can't do anything. Only God can do that and so what are we going to do with that then what will you do hand it over to him, hand it over to him and do what 
Trust him what? Yes, true, true. Trust him what? You're going to hand over a circumstance or a problem that you cannot work out. You're going to hand it to God. What are you going to trust that he'll do? Yes, yes, maybe, yes, and? Maybe, yes, yes. Yes, we all going to believe, Romans 8.28, that God causes all things to work together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. You see, I, w- I would say that that is putting that scripture, that's receiving that scripture and facing an impossible situation and saying, okay, you say you're going to work even this to my good. Therefore, I'm not going to be anxious about this thing. I'm not actually going to think about it anymore. I'm going to just trust that you will. I don't know what the outcome, the physical outcome of this will be. I don't know. But I trust that you are working it, causing it to work together for good, for my... um, Could you go to Genesis 22? Genesis 22, verses 1 through 5. Now it came about after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, take now your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I will tell you. (coughs) So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son, and he split wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham raised his eyes and saw the place from a distance. Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey, and I and the lad will go over there, and we will worship and return to you. It's a very odd five verses. Um, Can you just hold your finger in there and go to Hebrews chapter 11? Hebrews 11. God's told Abraham to go and sacrifice his son. He's going, he, Abraham will tell the young men that go with him, we're going to go over there and worship, and then we're going to come back. Me and my son are going to come back. So what was in Abraham's mind? What was in his mind? Hebrews 11, verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was offering up his only begotten son. It was he to whom it was said, In Isaac your descendants shall be called. He considered that God is able to raise people even from the dead, from which he also received him back as a type. Now, receiving him back as a type, obviously, is this Isaac was a type of Christ. Abraham was a type of God the Father, giving up his only begotten son. But look at Abraham's faith. Look at his faith. Abraham had gone so far with the Lord, he understood him so, or understood his will, understood his promises, that when he took Isaac, he had no idea what would happen. But he knew that God had promised, in Isaac, your descendants will be named. And so he knew, whatever happened, God had to restore Isaac. Do you see what I mean? There was no way that God could completely kill Isaac because that Isaac was the promise of God to him. Now, think about it. How could Abraham cannot have looked at that situation? Take your son, your only son, whom you love, and sacrifice him on the mountain I will show you. 
What is it in your life? What is it in your life right now that is so important to you <laughs> that you would not give it up for God? If God told you to give it up. What is it? Is it your children or your grandchildren or your husband or your wife or your, or your health or your wealth or your non-wealth but your financial security? <coughs> is it your job? Is it your whatever? What is it? What is it in your life that if God said to you, I want you to give that up, I want you to take that and sacrifice it, you would just run screaming to the hills? Everybody's got something. Everybody's got something. Now imagine that God comes to you tonight and says, I want you to give that up. I want you to give it up. I want you to give me your financial security. I want you to give me your health. I want you to give me your life. I want you to give me your family. I want you to give me this thing or that thing. Can you do it? Would you do it? Don't answer, don't even look at me because I don't want to see your eyes. Would you do that? Could you be like Abraham? Could you, have you come? Are you in a place where you trust God so well that you believe that that would be the very best thing for your life? Abraham's faith accomplished the moving of his mountain. He had every one of his hopes pinned on Isaac. Every hope of his, the child of his old age, he was 99 when God uh, promised him Isaac. No chance of another Isaac to replace him. He, he trusted God so much that his faith moved a mountain. What mountain did it move? What, is it, what do we begin with? What is God? The first sentence of Genesis was that God tested Abraham. God knows Abraham's heart. He knows what's in it. What did Abraham learn from taking Isaac? He can trust God. Obedience, yes. What did he learn? Or what did he learn about himself? That he would give all, all, because God asked him to. He would give everything because he totally knew his God would work all things together for good because he loved him and he was called according to his purpose. I want to be in that place. I want to be in that place. Because the mountain that was moved was any doubt about his faith, any doubt about his God, any doubt about his love, any doubt about his confidence or his trust, that mountain was moved. Can you come to a place with God where you can say, no matter what, I'm all in. I'm all in for you. No matter what it costs me, no matter where you send me, I'm all in. Well, we have to come to that place because otherwise we'll lose our 
Yes. Yeah. Well, you won't lose everything, but you won't have the best. You won't have the best here. This is what Abraham understood. He understood that God was a perfect God and that he only would do perfect things and that he would make good on his promise even though Abraham didn't know how. He knew that God would keep his promise and therefore because he trusted in God he was willing to say no matter what. Daniel chapter 6 verse 23 Daniel 6:23 Daniel is about to be or is thrown into the lion's den. Why is he thrown into the lion's den? Do you know? Because he won't worship He won't bow down to anyone else. So he's actually thrown into the lion's den because he had trusted his God. Daniel 6 verse 23 Then the king was very pleased and gave orders for Daniel to be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no injury whatever was found on him. Why? Because he had trusted in his God. He was thrown into the den because he had trusted his God and wouldn't bow down to anyone. And he was delivered from the den because he had trusted in his God. Was there anything he could do about his being thrown into the den of lions? No, there was nothing he could do. He could just only pray or trust, continue to trust. Did he believe that God knew he was going to be thrown into the den? Yes. yes. How did he know that? Because he knew his God. He knew who God is. And he knew God honours those who honour him. God always honours those who honour him. Moving a mountain is impossible for anyone but God. But God always honours those who honour him. He always does that. Um, I can't re- Oh, Psalm 138. Psalm 138 says, um, The Lord will accomplish, the last verse, The Lord will accomplish what concerns me. Your loving kindness, O Lord, is everlasting. God will accomplish what concerns me. He will bring to fruition, uh, he will sort out all the things that concern me. And he is the true focus of our prayer. If you're coming to God only to move your mountain, we God is calling each of us to come to him simply for who he is. If you leave this mountain, it's okay. If you remove this mountain, it's okay. I'm not talking about mountains of unforgiveness or bitterness. I'm talking about circumstances and things that are in your life that you can't do anything about. If you move this, it's okay. If you don't move it, it's okay. Only take me closer to you. (coughs) Only bring me closer. God will answer that prayer. He will. Because your focus is always on him. And should your mountain be moved, what will happen? Let's say you stood up here at the end. You stood up here at the end. I won't ask you to do so, but let's say you did. You stood up here at the end and you spoke to the mountain in your life and you spoke to a a, a scripture to that mountain and we all heard we all heard. 
And, it, and God immediately moved that mountain or, or the next day you came back and said, you'll never guess what, I did that and that's what happened. Where will the focus be from all of us? On God, on God. Luke chapter 9, where we started, when the mountain was, when the demon came out of the demon-possessed boy, it says they went away praising God. Praising God. Everything about, everything is about God. Whether your mountain moves or it doesn't. Everything is about God. Yeah, it should be, but many now healers. Oh. The focus is on them. Definitely. 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 Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yes. Well, Claire and I were talking. Um, I'm not going to say anything. Well, I don't know anything to say, you know, but we were just talking about how uh, often things are thin and light. You know, we've had a whole day and we've just kept going and it's like you don't even pause for breath. It's like, really? Another thing, another thing. I want to keep up another scripture. Um, uh, and... And the problem is, it's all light and thin, and and everybody, nobody can tell the difference. Nobody knows the real truth because no one goes any deeper than the surface line. Yeah. And God is calling us to go deeper. And as soon as yeah. you go deeper, you know yeah. that man or that woman couldn't have done that. It had to be God. Yeah. And you know that if you go deeper. And you're not drawn into lies or deception or false teaching because you hear it for what it is. But you have to know the word and you have to know the will of God and you have to be in prayer. And those things don't come easy. And so people don't want to do what you've just done. They don't want to spend the whole day in the word of God. They don't. And as, as the days get lighter and the weather gets warmer, it'll be harder. Because people don't want to do it. They want it quick. They want it now. And they don't want too much. And I want it to be all about me. Do you see what I mean? And I want God to move my mountain and I want him to fix me and I want this to be right and that to be right and that to be right. And the focus is always on us and not on God. Yeah, yeah. So the question is, do you believe that God will do the impossible for you? Yes? Oh, good. So why have you come then? What? <laughs> What? Because we're not being asked to believe that God will do anything for us. We're being asked to do what that God will do the impossible best for us. Yeah. Right? So it's not that he'll do anything. He won't do anything you ask because you don't even know what to ask for and your motives are never pure. He will only do the very best for you. So what do you need um, then? Uh, to go on and to be knowing what to be asking for, what sort of mountains to ask for to be moved. What do you need? His wisdom. His wisdom. To do what? To yeah, to know how to ask and what to ask for. To distinguish mountains. I mean, is this mountain here because I'm refusing to let it go, Francoise? You mentioned that earlier, that it's there because of your flesh, because you don't want to let this go. Okay, well, you can ask God from here until eternity, but until you say to him you're ready for that to go, he won't move it. Or is the mountain a circumstance in your life and it's causing you to keep coming back to God, whatever it is. And you're coming back to God and you're coming back to God and you're learning more about him and you're praying all the time and, it's, you know, and you're growing in your joy and your peace and somehow the thing that you were asking for seems to be changing. And do you think God will move that mountain? No. Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. Because he wants you to keep coming. 
But if there's a mountain in your life that is keeping you from God, what do you know? He'll move it. He'll move it. And when will he show you that mountain? See, you've all sat here today and I've asked you to look at your mountains. When, has he show, when will he show you a mountain? When you're ready to. When you're ready to get rid of it. When you're ready to get rid of it. Why won't he show you before you're ready? Exactly. Because he, he, he sets us up for victory. He maybe, said, maybe we, we don't always realize it's gone until it really has gone. Yes, 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 yes. Mm-hmm. We don't know it's gone until it's really gone. Okay, so if you're facing your mountain right now, you're facing your mountain. What, you know a couple of things. What do you know? Oh, sorry, that's too vague, isn't it? That's too vague. Okay, you're, you're sitting right there now and you're facing a mountain and you know you've got it. So you know, God knew you would see that mountain here today. He knew before he founded the world that you would face your mountain today and recognize it for what it is. So that's the first thing. Second, what's the second thing? Well, let's say, as I've said, there's various types of mountains, but let's say this is something you didn't really see clearly before, and now you see it, and you know it's keeping you from God. Or it's keeping you from understanding the fullness of who God is. So, you've just said you believe that God knew that you would be here, and he knew that you would be facing that particular mountain at, that, at this particular time. So, what do you know also? What follows that? He's going to remove it. How will he remove it? I'm talking about now. Now. How will he remove it now? This moment. Five to four. How will he remove it? On the 24th of February, my mum's birthday. On the 24th of February, at five minutes to four, he has shown you a mountain today that you, it kind of got covered up with a lot of other stuff and you didn't realise it was a mountain. You didn't really realise the full extent of how it was keeping you from God and he has shown you that mountain today. And you know that he has said, you can say to that mountain, be moved and it will be moved. So tell me, what are you going to do now? Or what will God do through what you do? What did you just tell me? You said you've got to recognize your mountain. You're going to speak to your mountain. With, oh yeah, only the word of God. Only the word of God. You're going to speak to your mountain. Now, what is your mountain? Don't tell me. Now listen to God, pray and ask him, I need a word, your word, for my mountain. And my mountain won't be Anne's mountain, it won't be Julie's, it won't be Jill's, it will be whatever. What is my word for this mountain? The thing is, God has promised you 
I'm not into hocus pocus, name it and claim it. I'm telling you, God has promised you. And you might be like Jane, you might go, I'm not, you're not going to come to the front, but you might pray, God, do this, thinking it all the time it was that. And he's going to remove another mountain or show you a different way, whatever it is. But you are in a place now where God wants to work because he has shown you. Not everyone here will see their mountain. I'm sure not. But some, <laughs> but some people will, will see. Now, I want to challenge you. Honestly, I want to challenge you to pray, to ask God for the word that is for you, and then to say that word out loud, outside, in here, wherever. Say that word outside or out loud to your mountain. And then I want you to be amazed at the greatness of God. Like Luke 9, 9, chapter 9 says, they were amazed at the greatness of God. And it's not to be fearful, I listen to it. Yes. Yes. And I was just going to say, I guess as you walk out of here and then each day forwards, Still have to speak out loud that, to that mountain that might come back to tempt you. Definitely. Or distract you. Definitely. So it's not ongoing. Definitely. Thing. You might have to walk, I think, up and find that. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it is, yeah, Laura. Sometimes it's gone. Oh, would, would you say thank you, Lord, for what you've done moving that mountain? Yes, oh, definitely. But, but I think so. We need to be careful because we're not name it and claim it here. We're no, just. No, I know you're not. But what I'm saying is. If we say thank you for moving that mountain, but as Laura says, tomorrow we wake up and find, oh, it's just there again. Somehow it's come back. So we need to be careful. What I'm saying is God has promised to move the mountain. So what is your mountain? Are you fearful? Are you afraid of something? I'm not saying fear in general, because your fear probably takes all sorts of different shapes. So... You're afraid of some particular thing. Are you afraid of losing your job? Are you afraid of death? Are you afraid of what? What are you afraid of? Well, if God has brought that specifically into your mind, then he wants to remove that. That. Now, I, I don't know any other way to believe these scriptures. What other way is there? Go ahead, Sue. Um, when you say, ask God for the word, you mean the word... I mean the word of God, the yeah. I mean the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Ask him for that. Yeah. Ask him for that. Um, you know. Yeah. Um, and I can't even think of the words because I, I, you know, it's like I'd have to think of every mountain. So I'm trying to think. You know, are you um, are you afraid he doesn't love you? Then hear him say, "When you walk through the waters, I'll be with you. When you go through the fire, I will be with you. You are mine." I have loved you with an everlasting love. I just, yeah, you know what I mean. I don't have to say what I mean. The thing is, Han, that mm. at, the end of the, at the end of it all, you know, we are worth it because God so yeah. loved the world. Yeah, yeah. That he gave his only son, mm. Mm. that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but mm. have everlasting 
Exactly. There you go. I know. Exactly. And Jane, actually, you've just said on my notes. I realised I just missed it. He's already done. Move the big mountain, because you came to Christ. You who came to Christ, you moved from death to life. You moved from darkness to light. That's done. That was the huge mountain in your life. And that's done. So nothing else even compares to that. But thank you, Jane. Yes, because he wants to do it because he loves you. So what is it? Is it fear of failure, as I said before? Have you got a negative experience in your past? Is there a sin that keeps going on? Are you physically sick or emotionally suffering and that is blocking your uh, walk with the Lord or somehow getting in the way? Are you full of anxiety or fear about everything and anything? What is that mountain stopping you doing? Um. <coughs> My mountain's a bit more of a slag. <laughs> I can't go anywhere after that, really. Really. Okay. Um, I'm going to finish with this then. I'm going to uh, finish with this. God, and this, I'm going to read from my notes because I don't want to miss it. God can and does move mountains. I want you to speak to your mountain. He knows the end from the beginning. He knows what we need and when we need it. And he has promised to complete what he began in you. He is transforming you into the image, into the glorious image of the Lord Jesus. And he is using every single detail in your life to do that transforming. He is working it all out for your good. Your only thing in the whole of it is to water the mustard seed. Water the mustard seed. Put in the word of God. Pray out the word of God. Receive the word of God. Trust the word of God. And keep on repeating that word. And if sometimes your mountain looks way too big to move, remember the one who's promised to move it. Who is the one who's promised to move it? Romans 8. I'll finish with that. Romans 8, 31 to 34. What shall we say then to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? Who who did not spare his own son but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died, yes, rather, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us, who will separate us from the love of Christ. Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword, in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. If you've got time, I would urge you to stay where you are, to sit where you are. If you haven't got time, it's okay. If you want to stretch your legs, that's okay. But if you have time, I would urge you to sit where you are and pray for five minutes, ten minutes, 
whatever. Speak to your mountain. Speak to the mountain in your life with the word of God. And ask him, say to it, move in the power of God. I am not having this any longer in my life. Speak. You can do it quietly. You don't have to shout out. You can do it quietly. Whatever it is, however huge, ask for God's will in your life, his power, his glory to be shown through your life. And speak to that mountain. And then trust that he will move it. That he will move it. And see it move. Father, I want to pray. Um, Yeah, I want to say thank you, Lord. I thank you for all the things that we know about you and all the things we will know about you and how it will never end. It will just keep on going and we will spend eternity learning more about you and it will be wonderful. And we will learn more how to delight ourselves in you and, and how to do it all, Lord God, and it will be perfect. And I know, Lord God, that this life, this world is not perfect and there will always be mountains obscuring our view of you And Lord, because we want to know you better and because we want to love you more and because we want it to be all about you and not about us, we ask you, Lord God, to move the mountain that stands between us and you. Lord God, I pray that you would reveal to me the mountains in my life, the way way that I think too much about me and, and don't give it over to you. I want you to show me those things, Lord God, because I want to be gone. I want to be rid of them. I want to be able to say to the mountains that you identify, be gone. And I know, Lord God, that your word is true, that you will do it, for you have promised. And you are more than able to accomplish what concerns (coughs) me. So I pray for every single person in the room and for those upstairs. I pray, Lord God, that you would so speak to our hearts right now that we would first see our mountain and then we would be unafraid to speak to that mountain and tell it to move. In Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. Amen.